my name's Kirsten. I work here on staff at the house. And this year I have started really liking this game. Uh, it's now a TV show, um, but it's called To Tell the Truth. And so the way you play it is everyone writes down like a couple fun facts about themselves and then you put it in a little bucket and then there's three people that are put up on a panel. And one of these facts is drawn, but one of these facts is only true about one person on the panel. And so the whole point of the game is to try to prove and try to convince everyone else playing that that fact is actually theirs. So through storytelling, through acting, through questions, all three people have to convince everyone else that the story is actually theirs. It's hilarious. Y'all should play. Um, I have recently learned a lot of new things about our interns through playing this game. Uh, I learned that Jacob Norbergen uh, used to own tap shoes. Um, I learned that Savannah Morgan was on a traveling acting troupe. Um, I learned that uh, Grant is really good at acting like a cat. <laughs> um, I learned that Taylor Madge peed on a little boy. There's context. Um, and best news of all, I learned that Karen Trevino likes Oreos. Yeah, you know? Um, <laughs> but this game is, is a lot of fun, and you get to learn all of these fun things about other people. But really the fun part about it isn't so much like the facts that you're learning, it's all the lies. It's the trying to convince somebody of a story, it's the creativity. We are so attracted to these false stories, to these lies. And this game is all fun, but I think this is real in our normal life. We are so intrigued by lies. In our culture, it makes it pretty normal to lie. The research says that the average American lies twice a day. And people that have insecurities or anxiety, so I think everyone, lies more than that. It is just this normalcy in our world right now. And we lie for all sorts of reasons. We lie to get out of things, to get out of tests, get out of dates, to get out of responsibilities. We lie to get things, to get extensions, to get jobs, to get discounts. We lie to make ourselves look better. It wasn't my fault. Oh, I totally did that. We lie to not be the bad guy. We lie to not hurt someone else. But when you think about it, the reality is that the lie itself is not the thing that is hurting somebody. The lie is not the thing and the reason that you did or did not get the job. Because really what the lie is doing is covering up the truth. But when we're honest, we see that we didn't get the job because we weren't qualified. When we're honest, we see that it wasn't us that hurt the person we were honest to, it was the situation. So we see these lies covering up truth. So it's no wonder that our God, God who is truth, hates it when we lie because we are distorting and covering him up. 
And all throughout scripture, the Proverbs, I mean, do not lie is one of our Ten Commandments that we do not treat as much, with as much seriousness as we do, do not murder, commit adultery, steal. But it's all over. It makes sense that he does not want us to be deceitful. And we could sit here tonight and list off all the reasons why deceit and lies are bad, how it tears apart families, destroys friendships, tears up trust, causes gossip, makes us hide. That when we lie, that we are partnering with the enemy because he is the father of lies and speaks in that language. And when we lie, we oppose Jesus, because Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and so we are speaking in opposition to him. When we lie, we are giving a just wrong picture of God's goodness, and we are the people that are this picture of who God is. We could talk all night about the wisdom in not being dishonest. Tonight, we should want to look at the wisdom why we should be honest, what honesty produces. Of course, we'll talk about dishonesty, but I want tonight for you guys, to not just today, but for your life, be compelled to actively pursue honesty. Because just as dishonesty covers up truth, distorts truth, Honesty reveals God's truth. Honesty magnifies God's truth. So let's pray. Father God, I am so thankful that you give us wisdom. I ask for it. Give us wisdom on how to be honest. Lord, may my words and my mind be focused and clear. Teach us tonight. Reveal your truth to us tonight. Pray this in your name. Amen. When we are honest, our honesty magnifies God's truth by bringing order into chaos. We read in Genesis that the world was formless, void, there's chaos. And God spoke. And when he spoke, he created order out of this chaos. When he spoke, he spoke trees into existence and their reality became true. When he spoke water into existence, water was created, it became a reality and was true. When he spoke, he created humans into existence. They became a reality. They became true. And when he spoke, he said it was all good and we were very good. And this became a reality and became true. His words, his truth, put order in the midst of chaos. We go a couple chapters later, we see the opposite happening. A sin enters the world that the serpent uses lies 
deceit, to distort God's image, who he is, to Eve, she sins, and this order now has disorder, has chaos enter back in. In the same chunk of scripture, we are also told that we are made in the image of God, which means that we, too, as image bearers, have the ability to put order into chaos, as well as put chaos into order. But we've been given this ability to do this ordering of chaos, and we can do so when we are honest. Think about an intervention. So somebody is in the midst of alcoholism, and they are in the midst of this chaos of addiction. And their friends and family come to them and speak honestly to them, revealing a truth that they struggle with alcoholism. And they say, we want to help you. There's this problem. Here is what we can do. Here's a way out. Here's what freedom from addiction can look like. Let's do this. This honesty puts order right in the midst of that chaos. Or many of you probably have been in friendships where your friends are in unhealthy relationships. They feel stuck. They are so lonely. They're, they're, they're too scared to be lonely. So like, I'm, I'm in this. Maybe they feel trapped. Like this is all they deserve. There's just this chaos of insecurity happening with them. And you step into that. You offer them an honest word this relationship is unhealthy. You don't have to feel trapped. Loneliness is not the end of the story. And as you offer this honest word, the truth of who God sees them to be is revealed, and there's order put into the midst of that chaos. There is this way out. There's freedom for them. And obviously, people don't always listen when we're honest. So we don't maybe see this order happening all the time. But that's not the point. When we're honest, we want God's truth to be revealed. And now that does not excuse us to be honest and be rude about it. Be honest and and implement chaos. But we, in our honesty, can be loving and orderly. But that may mean people may not be very happy with you. You may not see that order right away. Galileo in the 16th century century, um, discovered that the world, the universe, I mean, did not revolve around the earth. But during this time, the Catholic Church said that anyone said that the, that anything other than the universe revolving around the earth was a heretic. So Galileo was arrested, was on home arrest for the rest of his life for speaking this word of honesty. Doesn't look like much order, right? He's now arrested. Yet years later, Albert Einstein grabs a hold of this theory. Science takes off, and now we see the truth revealed that, in fact, the earth revolves around the sun, not the universe revolving around the earth. 
His honesty revealed truth, put some order into chaos. In our scripture tonight, this proverb, one of the verses says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. As we speak into the chaos, healing comes. As we offer people the truth and they may see God's truth revealed, this is where the healing begins. Later on in this proverb, it says that a anxious man has a heavy heart, but a kind word can cheer him up. That even an honest word of kindness can be entered into the chaos of anxiety and reorder that. We have the potential and the ability to bring healing to others. And it's scary to enter into these places of chaos of other people. It's scary to have a friend say to you, am I a good friend? When all you hear them do is bash other people. Well, to be honest, it's scary to have a friend who's just self-deprecating and always talking terribly about themselves and to step in and say, hey, these are things that are not true about you. How about we stop talking so negatively about ourselves, yourself? And sometimes it's not stepping into the chaos of somebody else's life, it's stepping into the chaos of your own and being honest. We oftentimes just want to push away these feelings that we have. We don't want to deal with things admit that this thing really did bother us. We don't want to admit our insecurities, our inadequacies. So we lie about them to ourselves. We don't listen to these voices crying out saying, help. How often have you talked to a friend and told them about something really hard going on and then you end the sentence by saying, but it's okay. It's fine. Stop lying to yourself. It's not okay. It's not fine. What if you were honest with yourself? God's truth could be revealed in the midst of that chaos and order could be restored. The scripture tonight also says that truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only for a moment. These lies are temporary. You're not going to trick yourself. And if we are people who live in the eternal, why are we wasting our time with the temporary? Our honesty reveals, magnifies God's truth, brings healing and order in the midst of chaos. And our honesty magnifies God's truth by affirming his promises. I know a lot of you in this room could say, yeah, I know these promises of God. 
but I don't believe them for myself. And maybe some of you actually are like, I don't know these promises of God. And then I would encourage you to learn them. Maybe that's your Lent thing, is pick a promise each week. Meditate on it. But I began to think, why is it that we have so much trouble believing the promises of God? And I think that one of these reasons is because we don't see other people fulfilling these promises because we are not honest in our promises. So I think, well, if my best friend can't even fight for me, then why would God do that? Or I think, well, if I'm not even honest with my promises, if I don't fulfill them, then like maybe God doesn't do that either. We know that God promises he will not leave us or forsake us. And our parents have said, I will always be there for you. Then we ask them to come to Chattanooga, they don't. We know that God says he will love us, that he loves us. And we are told by our friends that they love us, but we don't feel that. We are told that God will fight for us. And our friends promise that they will have our back, but when it's not convenient to them, they're not there. So we have trouble believing these promises of God. But what if we were honest? And what if the promises we made, we followed through with? Then somebody would be like, oh, well, if Kirsten can fight for me, surely the all-powerful God's going to fight for me. And obviously we are human, and we will let people down. But then what if we're honest about that? Hey, I said I would be there, and I wasn't. I'm so sorry. And we still, even though we can admit that and we are human, we still actually have this ability to be honest and follow through with our promises. And I believe when we do so, when we are people who fulfill these promises, God's truth is revealed because then we see his promises as something that will be fulfilled. A couple months ago, I went to this yoga festival, and the whole thing was about unity. Unity of Chattanoogans, unity of yogis, unity around raising money to um, help kids get organ donations. And all the classes were talking about this unity. And one of the classes I was in, I kind of heard some like bickering. And afterwards I found out that the people running the festival actually were like arguing over who's like yoga, um, like props, like straps and blocks and all that, who was allowed to use these props. Well, they're for my students, not yours. But these people that were in charge weren't even unified. So I was like, I'm not going to believe what you're saying about all this unity if you're not even unified yourself. And this is what happens when we do not fulfill the promises that we make, when we are not honest. Because we are these representations of who Jesus is. So if we're not honest... Why would people think that our God is honest? That proverb, it says, 
An honest witness tells the truth, but a false witness tells a lie. If we are telling lies, people are gonna assume us to be these false witnesses, so they're not gonna believe in this God that we're witnessing about. But if we are those who tell the truth, well, people that tell the truth are faithful, true witnesses. They will begin to believe those things. So not only are we able to affirm God's promises by actually being people who fulfill our promises, who are honest there, but we can also speak these promises over people. People say, speaking truth over. We can remind our friends about these promises, give them these words of honesty, and reveal truth in the midst of wherever they are at. The scripture also says that joy will come, and I believe that this is when the joy will come. When we begin to believe that his promises are true, that his truth is revealed, and joy is experienced. When we are honest, his truth is magnified because we have the ability to affirm his promises. And our honesty can magnify God's truth by deepening our faithfulness. Honesty and faithfulness go hand in hand. You can't be faithful to someone without being honest. I really began to think about this a lot when I was reading Luke 16, um, this parable that Jesus gives, and he says that one who has been faithful with a little will be faithful with a lot, and one who has been dishonest with a little will be dishonest with a lot. Also a reason why even white lies are no good. But I began to think, if Jesus is comparing faithfulness and dishonesty as antonyms, oh my goodness, these things must be opposites. And so then, if we are honest, then that is going to drive us deeper and deeper into faithfulness. So if I'm faithful to my husband, I'm going to be honest with him to fulfill this commitment I have made to him, this covenant I have made with him. But if I'm dishonest, that faithfulness is gone. I've broken that. And then we see that honesty develops and deepens our faithfulness because it deepens our relationship. Our relationships only go as deep as our honesty goes. The more someone knows about me, the more I know about you, the deeper we are in relationship, the deeper and the more we know about one another. And then the more I know about somebody, the more I trust them. So the deeper we are in this relationship with Jesus, the more we are trusting him, and we will begin to follow what he is saying. And he says, okay, I want you to lose your life so you can find it. So you go and you lose your life. And you find that his truth is revealed in the midst of that because surely you do find it. That faithfulness grows. And then you say, okay, Jesus, I've seen that happen now. You say, love my enemies, and you go and you love your enemies, and you see his truth revealed in the midst of that. Your faithfulness grows. And this honesty 
with God can be terrifying. It means that we have to go inward and actually ask ourselves, what are these things that are holding me from my father? What are these doubts I have, these questions, these pushbacks, these frustrations? I have to communicate those with him if I'm going to be honest. In fact, we're told that true worship is worshiping in spirit and truth. So to worship him, we have to go there. It's scary. People were shocked when Mother Teresa's memoirs came out, and she told people that the last half century of her life, she felt like she's in this place of darkness. She didn't feel God. She doubted. Yet she was honest. And I believe that honesty helped develop that faithfulness that she had until the end, even without feeling God. And so as we are honest, and this truth is revealed, our faithfulness grows. And other people will see that and see our actions in response to that. And then they will see where we actually aren't faithful to God. But that God continues to be faithful even despite our mess-ups. And they will see this God and see his truth in the midst of this faithfulness. My hope for you guys is that you would be compelled to be honest because it reveals God's truth. And it's hard. We see so many stories in the scriptures of these men of faith, these women of faith, being dishonest. And it's so easy to justify our lies. God tells us, though, that he despises these lies. So I want you to be compelled to be honest so that you would see joy enter in, so that you would see healing enter in, so that you would see these eternal promises. That's what that faithfulness is. It's this promise of eternal Wisdom, not just these temporary lies, something that stays. And my hope would be that you would be compelled to be honest so that God's truth may be revealed by putting order into chaos, that his truth would be revealed by affirming his promises, that his truth would be revealed through the deepening of faithfulness. And if these things do not compel you to be honest, my prayer is that his words from these Proverbs compel you. The Lord delights in those who speak truth. Be delighted in. Be wise. Be honest. Let's pray.